0: For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And today I have with me Jacqueline Heller, MD who's from the States, sitting in front of me on um on the fabled Zoom, and we're ready to record a session and get chatting and find out all about you, Jacqueline. So why don't you just say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, hello, good morning, thank you for having me. Um, I am um, here because I've, I've recently written a book, but I'll tell you a little bit about the journey and why I wrote this book. Um, I was very I was grief stricken when my mother died about six years ago and I had never written much. I mean, I've written articles and things, but I've never journaled. And we know, you know, being trained as a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst and um, having a scientific background, I knew that writing is very good for consolidating memory and for remembering experiences and for um, creating a narrative that's cogent, which is very important during lifetime. But I, I suddenly started writing and I, wrote, and I wrote a letter in response to something that came up after my mother died. And it, the, the, it was an email that troubled me. <clears throat> and so I wrote a response in defense of my father and i received an an outpouring from several different nieces and nephews saying this is amazing information we didn't know any of this and so this personal experience of feeling like i gave them a a gem you know it it was a gift and they they one of them in particular said that she put pieces together of her narrative that made sense it made sense out of her life it was like the final piece of a puzzle uh, in this one sector of her of her life that really resonated with her, and she said, "Can you tell us more? Can you tell me more?" And I've I've spoken with my my nieces and nephews over the years about family history because I think it's very important. Um, so I, I continued writing this chapter about my father, which I titled "The Unsung Hero." It became a chapter, and then I just kept going from there. And I found the process of writing to be very cathartic, and also very. Um, connected thing the connected dots for me as we know writing does writing is very a very good way to consolidate memory and to connect to other memories into past and to connect emotions to the visual memory and put words to it and that that was a very interesting process so basically the book was came out of that um, I just kept going and going then COVID came and I, I had opportunity ample opportunity to keep writing So, um, but my background is I'm trained, I'm trained, I have a bachelor's in biology. I went to graduate school and I was in a PhD program. I got my master's in basic medical science. I did research in a neurosurgery lab and and pathology lab on, um, basically on antioxidants, on steroids, which were first noted to be good for uh, spinal cord injury. Mm -hmm. I was always interested in the nervous system. Then I went to medical school and then I, um, became a psychoanalyst and I became a psychiatrist. I was in school till I was probably 35. Um, So I have, and then I, then I trained to do, um, I I trained in an attachment oriented um, attachment theory oriented facility that is called the center for reflective communities. Then it was the center for reflective parenting. And I got certified to be a, a a, a a parent counselor, which was fun. And I brought some programs about this to, about reflective parenting to schools. And then I, then I, then I kind of retired a few years ago when I, when I started writing the book. Um, so that's kind of where I am. I, um, and so I'm excited to, to share the book because people are responding to it very well and it's resonating. So I'm here to kind of talk about how it can help people. Okay. And,
0: right okay well hold your horses that's very good thank you for that introduction so you're giving us lots to to go at so let's unpack a few of those things if i may um you talk about the the power of writing and uh you talked about um why it works but i wonder if you can unpack that a little bit more for people because a lot of people talk about journaling and such like so so how does it work you talked about the fact it does work but how does it actually work
1: well i I think i think it works because when you write Um, it it forces you to think, and it forces you to first, I mean, the most important thing to me is is about self-reflection, which is a key to having good attachments and good relationships and to knowing other people is knowing yourself. Um, I mean, I think Aristotle said, you know, um, the the key to wisdom is self-knowledge. And, you know, we spend an awful lot of time um, looking outward and pointing the finger to other people, and um, that's that leaves us guessing and making up a lot of things about other people and projecting. Whereas when we go inside and we look to, into ourselves, we kind of it's,
0: it's we see we get out of the dark and we see what's going on. So so, um, so if I may just jump in then for for a second. So it's always a terrible lag on these systems, but so people talk a lot about self reflection and and they talk about it in quite a vague way. So that's great having a psychoanalyst in our uh, in our midst. What does that actually mean? What does it mean by going inside? What, is, what so, are they actually talking qu- about?
1: It's a great question because there's a lot of language out there that's very nonspecific and no one knows what people are really talking about, but yeah. sounds good. So going inside means, for one... It's it's a kind of a two-step process. I call it introspectating because it's it, which is a contraction of going in, introspec- introspection and then as, a, as going in as an observer as a participant observer, yeah. which means first first of all the first thing we need to do is identify our emotions, which you know 10% of Americans are lexithymic. They don't know how they feel at any given moment. You ask them, are you happy? I don't know. Are you sad? No idea. You know, I don't know. I just feel, I just feel weird. And they can't define their emotions. So, you know, that's problematic. So the first thing is to identify your emotion, because if you don't know how you feel, you can't know your, you can't know other people. You can't, you can't exercise good judgment. Um, And unfortunately, too many people have knee jerk reactions. They have hair trigger reactions to things and they react emotionally before they think. And so this, this, this skill, which I think is probably the singular most important mind body Brain thing we can do um, as far as a habit that we form is is very important. So if, if the first thing is to identify how you feel at any given moment in time, the emotions, and that means, and I call them delta moments. I call them little shifts in your day to day, all day long, and eventually it becomes automatic. But you have to practice like anything; you have to practice to get good at it. And if you if you have awareness of how you're feeling at any given moment, um, then you can reflect. Then you can go up to your brain and your your cortex and you can think about how you feel. And that's how we develop, that's how we get smarter and that's how we develop um, connections to ourself and to our past. If it's an important thing that happened to you um, as far as an experience that was salient or traumatic, or it'll come back, you don't have to go digging. You don't
0: have to live in the past and go digging into the past, it will find you. So, so that's really interesting. And, and, and it's, a, it's fascinating that you illustrate the semantic degradation, isn't it? That the fact that terms mean increasing less and less. And then you're talking about feelings and emotions. And, and you're right, people can't feel feelings because they have no idea what they are because they can't decide whether a feeling is a somatic experience or something that you've exactly in your head. So, so and actually, you know, we talk about emotions and there is really, unless you use the Ekman version, that there's really no proper taxonomy of, of emotions. So, you know, the... We we find in the social sciences that we're sort of you know mangling terms backwards and forwards. So so let's just pick this apart for me. So when we're talking about how do we feel, I mean, there's somatic things like happy, sorry, there's somatic things like hot and cold and tired Mm -hmm. and energized, and then they become more sophisticated feelings like disappointed or pressured or I don't know guilty or shamed or whatever those things, which I would argue are actually cognitive constructs rather than feelings, but so, are you trying to say let's let's talk about how do I feel and start that self-examination? Are you saying let me let me describe something and and disc- and, and figure out for myself what those what those what that narrative? Produces in terms of reaction within me. I mean, how, how, is that what you're well, suggesting? It's,
1: it's circular. I mean, it's 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 a it's a good cycle. They go they go. It's bi-directional and it's and it's it's actually more like it's more like the internet. It's more like hyperlinks. It's more like a web, um, because once you start reflecting on something, you start making more connections, and you start having more memory and more. And the, be- the more you do it, the- I mean, for me, it's automatic, you know, and as even the process of writing my story, which I thought was complete, developed new connections. And, you know, I still to this day, I still have new connections to things that I thought I finished writing two years ago. Right. Um, so, so our life is an unfinished work. And if you chronicle it as you go along, it's constantly updating and modifying for the, for the current context. So that's another story, though. That's about memory and how memory is stored and how memory is modified. But um, so so the, the the process fuels itself, and it creates a tremendous amount of the neuroplasticity and, and the way the the, neuro, the the brain develops is kind of remarkable because, you know, our higher our higher our upper brain or our our higher cortical functions, our executive function is um, is what we all kind of want to promote. We want to limit the amount of emotional, um, intense, raw emotion coming out. We want to be able to focus and hold our emotion and manage it before we go ballistic. Or before we, you know, have have rage attacks or whatever it might be. So the amygdala is kind of the seat of raw motion yeah. in the limbic system. And that's kind of what we we need to get a hold of. And that's why knowing how you feel before you open your mouth or before you react, um, and and then being able to think about that, what what might it be? You know, yeah. if I come home from a lunch date and I feel I have a lump in my throat or a pit in my stomach, whatever your, pick your, your, your visceral response. And I think, you know, why, why do I feel, why do I feel down? Why do I feel a little bit upset? Now I would know it right away why, but some people don't. Yeah. And then they displace their, their bad feeling or their anger onto their child or to their spouse who doesn't deserve it because they didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so, so if I come home from lunch and I think, what was it? What, what did she say? And I realized, you know, she said, my haircut, was awful but the good thing about a bad haircut is that will grow back and it was kind of a backhanded compliment you look great but your i'm not crazy about your hair but it'll grow back so that's kind of you know it's a small thing but let's say it's something like that or let's say someone flip you know you you barely cut someone off on the on the on the on the freeway or on the highway You, you almost cut someone off you start veering into their lane and they start flipping you off they start screaming at you and you know, they're going they to start a high speed car chase, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is that has nothing to do with you? That's their stuff. Exactly. So, so these things are the, the important things that we need to learn to, to manage and writing gives you the ability to stop and think you're not, in, you're not in conversation with someone, there's no time pressure. Yeah. And it also seems to be, um, it seems it, it just seems to be a very good way to yeah. become
0: reflective but it's interesting you say that because of course it doesn't work for everybody and I don't think you're implying that um but there are a vast majority of people who don't like doing journaling they don't, and often that's why they talk because they have that perception or or they want to visualize or storyboard or whatever it might be it's about finding your own way to to sort of pause and just and just examine things within yourself i suppose that's a th- that's the point it doesn't really matter what it is sometimes evoked by music or whatever it is but um I, I know there are a lot of people out there who talk about journaling i think again the process of journaling sometimes gets in the way of self-reflection that's
1: a good point well it's interesting because for me personally um in my life um writing is a big deal because when i was a child i never i, I have a diary i had a diary when i was yeah. five I still have it. It has about four entries in it. I couldn't do it, yeah. and I started to I started to create a mental diary, yeah. and I kept I kept a mental journal every day. I didn't know I was doing CBT on myself. I didn't know right. I was doing exposure therapy to trauma, but I was. And I every night, and I was lonely because my parents didn't come home till very late. And as I was falling asleep, I recited the day mentally. I repeated the day like like someone who's at, repeating an exercise or a piece of music they're going through in their head. Or an acrobatic routine. I re, I repeated my day, and I started pruning the unimportant things. That I consult, remembered and re-remembered my life that way. And there was there were reasons for that that, that go into my my family trauma, my inherited trauma, which we can talk about if you're interested. But um, so for me, writing was kind of anathema. I just didn't do it. I couldn't do it. So this was kind of a big deal for me, and I and I saw the value in it. Yeah. Um, but then again, I'm trained. To make these associations
0: yes but you didn't you weren't trained when you were young so that no I wasn't process, trained. so that's obviously a process you fell into or was not your part of your natural style and I think that's really interesting that you say that because I do think there's sort of pressure in this sort of modern world that we should be journaling we should be you know we should be I mean the classics, word in psychology should or ought and it's this idea that, you know, it, it works for somebody. they for, for sure, it works for everybody. Everybody seems to want to write a book. But podcasting and, you know, visual diary, diary management, or as you just say, just imagination or, you know, mental mental reflection is okay as well.
1: So, well, there's very little imagination in these days in, in the world. Well,
0: and I agree with that because I think we've sort of, we've removed internal imagination because we've, we've replaced it with external stimulus, haven't we? And we've we're, I wonder if we're losing... A generation of people who have imagination and what that will do with the creative the creative world around us well we're losing a lot in this generation yeah well i always say it's it's tricky for people like me to complain about the last generation as as someone who was responsible for bringing children up in it so uh <laughs> we can't really complain yeah. about them so, so you've written this book and you talked about the process of it, and it seems to it seems to emerge, and that's really quite unusual because often books are constructed by thinking about who is this you want to write a book for, but it sounds like you your process has been much more much more interesting than the sort of standard approach, which is almost generated by the marketing approach, which is there's a book a bunch of people out there that want to be in my message, but it sounds like you just started writing and ended up with a book, which, which right. is quite it was interesting. organic. So, it was yeah. a
1: very organic process. It was, it was, you know, something I started. My my mother died at the end of 2017. I started, you know, I, I wrote the I wrote the first draft in six months, yeah. but it took a few years to get someone to read it. And then I yeah. then I worked on it. But I, I it just was a self. It was intrinsically gratifying. I'm, I wasn't looking for fame or fortune, and, and I'm not. But it was my process, and it was very helpful to me because, as a psychoanalyst. Um, who, who's worked with a lot of people deeply? I uh, I know my own history the best. I know myself better than I can know anyone else, and I remember my life very well. Mm-hmm. And and having a lifelong and I see the merit to a lifelong narrative to having, I see the the I see the um, the relaxing and calming, and that's why the subtitle to my book has to do with well-being, because when you when you feel accomplished in your story and you have a repetitive, you have a, a A self-story that's replicable that's that's full body that's dimensional that's detailed and it changes for context it's very important because it gives you stability it gives you foundation it's good for it 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 definitely promotes healthy attachments these things have been looked at and 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 it it improves your reflective function and then it's it's secondarily good for your brain so
0: So who, so who in a sense is going to benefit most from reading it? And and what would the, that, what that, what would that benefit be?
1: Well, it's funny that you say that it's a good question. And normally people can answer that very quickly and say, this is, these are the 10 things it does. But truthfully, I, you know, one of my best friends asked me a few years ago, I love the book, I read it, but what's it about? Um, because it's about a lot of things. And I think I've been getting reviews where people say, this is a great parenting book. I'm giving it to all my new, my friends who are new mothers, or this is a tremendous book on trauma. So, so different people are getting different things from it because it's kind of broad sweeping, but the basic idea, if I had to sum it up is that we don't know ourselves as well as we should, or as well as we think we do, you know, 95% of our actions and behaviors and, and, um, thoughts are are unconsciously driven and we don't realize it but all of our automatic functions i mean as far as the look at the autonomic nervous system the only thing we can control is our breath yeah. so you can control your breathing and you can go into you can slow down and get get your cortisol and your adrenaline and all of your you know your fight and flight hormones to calm down but it's only breathing that we can control and we don't we don't think about I'm getting up out of the chair, and I need to put my left leg on the floor first, and then my right. We thought about everything we did, you know, how to put a spoon to your mouth. We, we'd be we'd be nuts. We'd be we'd be thinking about dumb things all day long yeah. that are automatic. Yeah. So um, right. so so but but those are not the things I'm referring to. I'm referring to and, and in some way I am, but I'm referring to the things that. Our hurts from the past, whether they're cumulative developmental injuries that create our personality, or whether they're traumas, but basically, I'm talking about knowing our, automata- our automatic mental constructs, the things, the patterns that are repetitive, that are ingrained, that we don't really aren't have no awareness of, and we need
0: to. Yes,
1: we need to go plumb the depths and get closer to our unconscious, and and there are methods to do that, as you know.
0: Yeah. So so so. So it's always nice for people to have an idea of what they they might be delving into. So some people have written like a self-help book with lots of tools. Some people use it as a sort of an allegory or a metaphor, an analogy. Some people have built their own story with their own lessons learned. Some people have a bunch of patient histories and sort of work those things through. through. So some people have written something that's amusing. Uh, Some people have written something that's very tragic and self-referential. So... Just, just so for those people who're sitting and thinking this sounds absolutely fascinating, but what what am I going to expect when I start? What 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 can I what can I expect when you read the book? Well,
1: I start off with uh, basically explaining um what are what what triggers people, the kind of things that trigger people, and I start off with my I mean, there's an introduction. I explain what the book's about. I explain my my amalgam of my my psychological construct, my kind of model of the mind and I, you know, I talk about these automatic mental constructs and these delta shifts and how we need to live in the present not plumb not go into the depths of our past family history is different but i mean as far as our own like why am i so upset and why what happened that year what happened that day that's fine but that's that's if it comes to organically i wouldn't necessarily advise people to go look for those things because then it becomes artificial and the idea is to just to to um to To do some mindful meditation, and basically, you know, I, so I give exercise. I do have several. I have a chapter on exercises, and I kind of mention them throughout the book. Uh, so there are, there, are, there are skills. There are ways you can learn to do this, as you know. Um, so that's so. So that's one aspect. But basically, the first part of the book. It gives background, um, background to basic psychological principles, the unconscious mind, the conscious mind. What is consciousness? I talk about, um, you know, the the patterns of behavior that are repetitive, that come from our upbringing. I talk about parenting a little bit. I talk about um, the human organism. Um, You know, I talk about I have a chapter that's a crash course on psychology and psychotherapy. And I start with Freud and I go all the way. the present you know it's it's so the the first the first five or six chapters or and i go into neuro neuro uh the neuroscience of things i neuroscience of attachment from infancy and you know so so that's about the first five or six chapters i have a chapter on defense mechanisms and cognitive distortions so by the time you get to chapter um chapter seven or eight you kind of have a very good understanding of general principles and my understanding is it's readable (laughs) And I use my own cases and my own, I use tons of, tons of case material that's well camouflaged and I have my own story. So for example, chapter two is called Dana's Invisible Trigger. It's about a woman. Uh, It's about a day I went shopping with my grandson. I was in a, I went to a high-end store and it was a small boutique. And basically the woman that was helping me called the police on me because she thought I had a gun she oh. saw something in my pocket in my little slit pocket that looked like a gun she called the police patrol cars came and it was a long so long story it's a whole chapter but basically she had suffered gun violence as a child and she had a very low threshold for thinking someone was going to come after her or have a gun and there i am a grandmotherly slight person yeah, you know, with a ch- child going into this I mean it made no sense it was it was like the completely irrational there would be no way to profile me as someone that would have a gun not the profiling is acceptable it's not but it was really it was really shocking so all of a sudden I'm surrounded and I and I came out to get some help in this store because I was trying things on and there was no one there and I thought that's crazy they left they left the register on man I better watch the story <laughs> See till they come back. Well, they didn't come back, but I saw uh, I left the store after a half hour. I saw a commotion. I went back and I see their police officers. Ma'am, were you in the fitting room about 45 minutes ago? I said, Yes. I, what happened? And they said, Are you carrying a firearm? I said, No. They said, What's that in your pocket? And I reflexively, as we're talking about automatic behavior, I reflexively put my hand in my pocket and they then they took their gun. One of them took their gun out. The the female came and frisked me, hands up. And I I was I was like faint. I was passing out. I was freaking out. I said, "What what is going on here?" And they said, "This the one of the salespeople called nine one one and said there was a someone with a gun," and it was you know. I said, "This this is crazy. I mean, this this woman is either ill. She's either unfortunately psychotic and having having a delusion, or she's had some kind of terrible trauma and just really miscalculated," sure. and and um, and that that was the case. And you know, so it ended. It was they didn't shoot me, obviously, I'm fine. But you know, so that's that's there's some projective identification. So, there's so we, yeah, you, you get you get the idea.
0: Yeah, no, it's fascinating. And um it's interesting because I was having a look at the because you have a, a on your website, uh you actually have an example, or oh, not an example, you have a, an excerpt on your site, which is great because it gives a, a feel for, for the way that you write and such like. And I have to say, being on Amazon. You know, you've got an astonishing selection of five-star reviews on there. So that's, it's really clearly something. And I have to say, I've just gone and bought it myself. So um, I was listening what you were saying, but I was also buying the book at the same time. Oh, so, great. Um, <laughs> so that's a good endorsement. It? It. I got great endorsements, you which too really very encouraging. Well, yeah. look, let's, let's just make sure that people can find it. Your website is JacquelineHeller.com. And the book is called Yesterday Never Sleeps. And you can get hold of it on all you know, on, on all the online places and, you know, all the various bookshops in the galaxy. Um, do you have any sort of social media presence that you'd like people to be able to I do, have but a look I, at? I do, but Chapter 8 is called A Social Media because I really don't like
1: social media. No, and I and I find it kind of unpalatable. But um, so you can find all that on the website, too. Yeah. yeah all the nice. links. Um, but and some of them are. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not that into social media. I'm trying yeah. to do LinkedIn but it's
0: tough. Still, Very dull. It's just, a. It's, anyway, that's, let's not get into views on social media because that's just yeah, us having whole, a rant. Um,
1: <laughs> that's Well, I have a lot of opinions
0: about that, but yeah,
1: that's for exactly, another day.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Well, it's been a joy to talk to you and it's been absolutely fascinating to hear your story. And uh, please uh, have a look in the show notes and look out for Jacqueline's website and book and links and such like. And uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today, uh, Jacqueline. It's been great.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was
0: a pleasure. It's okay. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash contact